Well, good morning. How are you? Uh, if you don't have a Bible this morning, uh, we have one for you. Just uh, slip up your hand. We got guys who are going to come around and help you out there. Um, I am really like hopped up on caffeine right now. Um, <laughs> I didn't get much sleep last night because uh, my wife and I, we basically moved everything yesterday to a new place with the help of some great family and friends. And so I'm actually really, really excited about our new place. Um, but I didn't get much sleep because, you know, the thing about packing is it just never ends. And so we'll probably be doing that for the next week or so. But um, this morning, I want to preface uh, everything we're going to talk about by, by kind of saying this. It, this is not going to be some aha moment for you this morning. This is what I'm about to say. This is not going to blow your mind. It's not going to be like, oh, my whole life is going to come together because you've just explained this thing I was missing. This isn't going to be one of those mornings. And a lot of times the church, the whole point is to come together and to be reminded of the simple truths that we know, but we just need to be reminded of. And so a lot of times what happens when I talk to people, they'll say something like, I don't feel close to God. That's, that's their problem. They don't feel close to God. And so um, I've kind of found that generally when that happens, what I've, what I've learned to do as I look at them, and because I've been in these same situations and I continue to be in the same situations, I say, okay, well, you don't feel close to God. What I ask them is, how much do you pray? And the answer is always the same. You don't feel close to God. You ask them how much they pray, and they say, well, I don't really pray much, if, if at all. And kind of over the years, I explained a little bit about this a couple weeks ago, how there was a point in my life where I was a Christian, but I didn't really pray. And it, it kind of got to the point where I realized that not praying and trying to be close to God is kind of like not eating well, not exercising, and then wondering why it's hard to be physically fit. It, it's so obvious, but we need to be reminded so often. And so the question then becomes, okay, so if we know that prayer is what it takes to be close to God and communicate with Him, why don't people pray? I've wondered this in my own life. Why don't I pray sometimes? If I know I should, why don't I do it more often? And the answer, I think, is this this morning. Because we don't know how to. A lot of times, I don't think we know how to pray. We understand the value, but we really don't know how to pray. And so, like any other struggle in our lives, what we always should do is go to Jesus. And so that's what we're going to do this morning as we learn how to pray. Would you stand with me? We're going to be in the Gospel of Luke. If you have one of the Bibles that was handed out, it'll be on page 869. It's a Luke chapter 11, uh, the very beginning, verses 1 through 4. If you don't have a Bible, it'll be up here on the screen for you. Luke chapter 11. Now Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, give us each our daily bread, and forgive us our sins. For we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us, and lead us not into temptation." May God bless the reading of his word. You may be seated. As we read this prayer, um, 
it's, it's funny. A lot of times when you read this version of it, people look at it and they think it sounds kind of odd because maybe it's not the way that you learned it growing up. Um, that's something that kind of catches me off guard from time to time. And I want to maybe take a quick moment to explain why that is. Um, the, the version of this prayer that most people memorize or learn, maybe when they're younger, is uh, Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 through 13. Uh, but it's important to realize that in, in the Bible, we have four different gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And each gospel, there's a lot of similarities, but there's a lot of differences. And the reason for this is because basically each gospel was written to a different audience. It's a different author writing to a different audience. And so Matthew was written to a Jewish audience, the Gospel of Matthew, and so it's a lot about the Old Testament. Uh, Mark was written to a Roman audience, and so it's kind of action-oriented. The Gospel of Luke, like we're reading this morning, was written to a Greek audience. And the Greek audience, they were highly educated and very succinct and to the point, which is why this one's a lot shorter. And then John was written kind of after the fact that the other Gospels were written, just to add additional details. But one of the cool things about the Bible, and when we go to it every single Sunday, is to remember that the Bible was written by over 40 different authors over a span of 2,000 different years, all testifying to the same thing. A lot of different religions and beliefs, oftentimes the text that they read was written by generally one person, and that one person was the main figure. But in Christianity, one of the things we should be really kind of, in my mind, proud of is the fact that this is God working through 40 different people. And when you're, when you're studying things, just remember that there's accountability in numbers. And so basically right here, this prayer is a lot more succinct. It's a lot more to the point because that is the uh, audience that the author is writing to. And so, but the first thing to, to notice here, and, and the first thing that really I think sticks out to me, is the reason why Jesus is teaching his disciples this, the reason why he tells them how to pray it's because they don't know how to do it. And I think oftentimes we don't really know how to pray. And so as we're reading this, I want you to envision that literally Jesus is teaching this to you. This is not something that happened in the past that doesn't kind of have any effect on our lives anymore. But the same way that Jesus is teaching his disciples here, as we read these words, Jesus is literally in this moment through the Holy Spirit. He is teaching you and I how we are to pray. And I think it is interesting because we always think prayer should be this really kind of a natural type of thing. And we realize after like awkward prayers and after, you know, we, we have some, you know, weird experiences where we pray and nothing happens. We kind of just, just give it up. But we have to realize it's not a natural type of a thing. My wife is a really big runner. And uh, actually, I'm like, Matt, if I've told the story already, forgive me. Just nod your head and act like, you know, you haven't heard it before. But my wife's a really good runner. And when we first dated, um, you know, I knew she was a collegiate athlete. I knew she was on the track team and got a full scholarship, and I knew that she would run seven miles just for fun, you know, and I'd never ran seven miles in my life. And so when we, when we uh, first started dating, I thought it'd be really cool to, you know, spend time together. I'm like, let's go for a run together. You know, I can kind of, like, be involved in something that she likes, and, you know, it'll mean a lot to her, and I could probably give her a few pointers and stuff, you know, because I'm a, I'm a guy. So naturally, I'm a better runner. You know, I know Jesse can attest to this, you know, Maybe it's sexist, but it's, it's just, it was my thinking, you know. I was like, well, of course, I'm going to naturally be better. And so one night, I'm like, hey, Halsey, let's go for a run together. And she's like, okay. Like, she was really excited about it. And so, you know, I get dressed, and I, I meet her outside. And when we get out there, she's all kind of like stretching all professionally, you know. And I'm just like, I, I never stretch at all. And uh, I was a little bit nervous at that point, but I was like, she's a girl. You know, there, there's no way. And so we start running. And um, Father, forgive me for this. We start running. 
And um, it went really great for the first 45 seconds. And then after that, uh, it got really, really rough. And um, it was really bad because, like, we're running, and she's trying to have a conversation. And she's like, hey, how are you? I'm like, good. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, I'm trying, like, to not say, I, I see some people, like, reckon, uh, feel that. You're trying to run, and you're trying to have a conversation, and you're so exhausted, and you're so out of breath, you can't even talk. And towards the end of it, she actually told me later that she stopped in the middle of the run to, to put her hair back. But she said the reason why she really stopped was because she could tell I was about to die when we were running. So, so we, we ran, and uh, I think we maybe got a mile into it, so not very far. But it, it was interesting because you think, like, you don't realize that running is really, really hard until you get out there and you try to run a long distance. You're like, man, this is hard. You know, it's like you haven't done it in a while, and you get out there, and you're like, I am so not good at this. And prayer is the same way. You think, well, I'm just going to come to God, and I'm just going to say, Dear God, and it's going to be awesome, and it's just going to flow out of your mouth because it's like this spiritual thing, but it's not. You have to learn how to pray. The, the disciples are coming to Jesus because they have no idea what to do. Prayer is something that is learned. It is not natural. And so because it's not natural, we come to Jesus to learn how to pray. And so the first thing in this, uh, this prayer, once Jesus gets going, is he begins the whole prayer with this one word. It's Father. This is a very, very intentional and specific way that Jesus starts this prayer. Jesus could have told us to pray to the all-powerful God. He could have told us to pray to, you know, the name above all names, this, this holy of holies. He could have told us to just get, I mean, just totally, just so much respect and reverence. And while we do have a lot of respect and reverence for God, he says to pray to God like he is your father. That's intentional, and that's important when we pray. We are a child, and God is our father. And when you approach God, you're supposed to approach God the way a child approaches their father, okay? A kid does not come to God saying, dearest father, I beseech thee on high above all else, hear my, hear my prayer. No, a kid just comes up and says, hey dad, how are you? Can I have this? Can I have that? Because you know what? A kid knows that their dad cares for them. So they can just kind of approach him. They don't have to preface. They don't have to, they, they can just kind of come to their father. And God loves us. You know, when a child asks to go to Disneyland, how does that conversation usually go? Is it, can we go to Disneyland? And he says, no. It's okay, I understand. No, it's like, can we please? Can we go? I really want to go. Oh, can, can we go now? And so when we're praying, we should come to God in a manner that we know he loves us. Jesus dying on the cross was the ultimate example of God's love for us. While we were sinners, Christ died for us. You can look at the cross in Jesus and know that God loves me so much. And so knowing that, when we come to God, we come to him as a loving father. And our focus should be the father. Our focus should be God. Our focus shouldn't so much be prayer. We have to remember that prayer is just a medium by which we communicate with God. It's like trying to be a good driver, and the whole time you're focused on the windshield. You're focused on the road, not really the windshield. The, the windshield is a medium to which you see the road, but the focus is God. The focus when you're driving, it, it's the road. And so when we pray, don't think so much about, okay, I'm praying now. I'm, I'm really praying. Okay, I'm, I'm communicating with God. Just simply talk to God. 
Because like a father loves spending time with their children, God likes spending time with you. God really likes it when you take some time out of your busy day and you just spend it with him. He desires that. And we don't pray to inform God about what is going on in our lives. God already knows everything. It's not like God's like, oh, that's what you wanted. Okay, I didn't know that. You want a six-figure sal- six salary, not a five-figure salary. Oh, oh, okay, my bad. Let, let me make that happen. God loves us, and he simply wants to hear from us. And then after he says, Father, he says this. Jesus teaches us to say, Father, and then say, hallowed be your name. Have you ever heard a five-year-old talk about their dad? A five-year-old thinks that their dad is the biggest, strongest, most loving, most talented, most intelligent, best provider in the entire world. And this is what God is to us. He is good and God is strong. God provides for us, God helps us, and God loves us. And this part, the hallowed be your name of prayer, is simply remembering the great things that God has given us. This morning, we are, we are sitting in a room. We're not afraid that someone's going to walk in here and persecute us or murder us for, for, for being believers. And we should thank God for this daily, for the ability to gather at the church in a public institution and worship God. And, and worshiping God, people say, well, what is that? Worship God is simply acknowledging who God really is. Is And this part of prayer was really odd for me when I started praying because I'd, I'd come before God and I'd say, dear God, I think you're awesome. And then I'd kind of not know what to do after that. And um, one thing that I, I found was um, you can go to other prayers in the Bible. And this is something I really recommend if you're trying to really dive into your prayer life. Go to other prayers in the Bible and see how they pray. There's a lot of wisdom there. You can go to um, the book of First Chronicles. There's a lot of great prayers of King David, the Psalms. In John 17, Jesus gives us a, a wonderful prayer before he's crucified. Right here, we can memorize this prayer. And when I began going to these different places, I began learning how we worship God more fully. In First Chronicles, um, my favorite prayer is this prayer that David gives um, in one of the best times of his life and things are going well. And he says this in First Chronicles 29. He says, Blessed are you, O Lord, the God of Israel, our Father, forever and ever. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty for all that is in the heavens and the earth is yours. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord, and you are exalted as head above all. That's how I desire to pray. And when we go to these prayers, there is a reason why God has inspired these prayers to be in the Bible. So we can come to them and we can learn from them. And so this part of prayer is crucial because it puts things into perspective. God is big and we are God's children. So, but once we worship God, once we view him as a father, and once we worship him, we say, hallowed be your name. Then we move to your kingdom come. In Matthew, um, this is referred to. As your kingdom come, your will be done. You're probably a lot more familiar with that kind of, uh, that, that wording. But here it's just your kingdom come. But it's the same idea here. We want God's will to be done in the world, not ours. We want God's kingdom to fill the world, not our kingdom. And that's why we say this in our, our prayers. And 
uh, we do this because we know that God knows what's best. But this morning, I want to challenge you to quit praying like a wimp, okay? Is that on the, is that up, do we have a slide up on here for that? Yeah, right there, okay. Quit praying like a wimp, okay? What do I mean by that, okay? We don't have to preface every single prayer we say, well, God, if it's in your will, can I have this? And if it's in your will, can I have a, a car? And if it's in your will, will you, you know, can I not die tomorrow? If it's in your will, can I go to church? If it's in your will, we don't have to pre- preface every single prayer like that. Because once again, this is your father that you're praying to. You know, part of your kingdom come is we're immediately acknowledging, look, God, you are in control. I'm going to pray for my daily bread. I'm going to pray for the things I need. But I know that ultimately that your kingdom is going to come. And that's ultimately what I'm trying to get here. That's ultimately what I want. And so once we acknowledge this and we preface this, we don't have to say, well, God, if you will it, then have this. And and if you will it, then this. At that point, we can begin to pray bold and not like a wimp. We, We should pray strong. We should pray for big things to happen. We should pray for change. We should pray big just to show God that we trust that you can do really big things. I want to challenge you, pray big. Give God room to work. One thing that recently uh, I've been challenged by the people towards myself is they're like, live on faith. Do something a little bit risky just so God can show up and do something awesome and you can know that it was God. And in our prayer lives, I think I'm too practical and I've always struggled with this. I have to force myself to kind of pray for big things. I have to pray for my friends until I can pray with them. I have to, I have to pray things that I don't think will really happen just because I know that God could do this. And so we pray big and, and, and we pray with a, with a belief and a desire and a strong faith, but we pray big knowing that ultimately God knows what's best. This is the part of prayer where we say, look, I trust you, God. Let your kingdom come. I trust you. I trust that your kingdom is going to be great and that I'm going to really love your kingdom. And a lot of times people say things like, well, uh, what happens when we don't get what we want sometimes? And how do we deal with this? How do we deal with extravagant prayers that don't get answered? And I I prayed for this and it didn't happen. And, you know, that's a really, really good question. And so when you have a really, really good question like that, you need to go to a good source for an answer. And so I go to Garth Brooks for the answer to this question. He has a a famous little uh, tune, some of you might remember. Uh, It says, uh, some of God's greatest gifts are unanswered prayers. Who here has heard that song? A lot of people in this room, yeah. Some of God's greatest gifts. That's that's kind of the tune, you know. I should have had a clip up here. That would have been really cool. But the song is basically some of God's greatest gifts are unanswered prayers. And even though it's like a cheesy country song, and even though I just made a fool out of myself by singing that, that's a really profound but really good truth. Some of God's greatest gifts really are unanswered prayers. And sometimes God says no to a good thing in order to bring us the very best thing. I was in a, a band growing up, and, uh, you know, we were, like, gonna, we were gonna make it. You know, we were gonna be, like, big-time rock stars. And, um, you know, we kind of started out as a garage band, and we got halfway decent. And so... Uh, when I was about probably 19 or 20, there was a guy that saw us playing a show and approached us afterwards and basically said, hey, I want to help you guys make it big. And, man, we're pumped. This is our, this is our shot, you know, to make it. And so um, basically uh, we start practicing. He's like, hey, good news. 
Um, I actually know a guy that's in a band called Trapped. All you 90s or early 2000 alt fans out there might remember Trapped, Headstrong. Um, <laughs> but um, they were a really famous rock band at the time. And this guy who wanted to help us make it big, he knew a guy in this band. And he's like, here's how it's going to go down. We're going to go to L.A., we're going to record with this guy, and he's going to shop your demo to all the guys at Warner Brothers Records. And this is, this is how we're going to do it. We're going to make it. So we're all excited, and it's a, it's a, it's a really kind of a big thing. And I'm like, surely this is God's will for my life, you know? And so it's about a week and a half before we uh, fly out to L.A. We've got the flights booked and everything. And he slaps this contract right in front of our faces right before we go. This is how, this is how it always happens. It's some shady contract. So he puts this contract, he's like, he goes, okay, you know, we want to do this, but before you can go, you have to sign this contract. And uh, I didn't know how to read it, and so we got a couple people to read it for us, and they basically said, look, this is a, this is a shady contract, and this is a shady dude. You know, this is, this is not something you want to do, um, but you're obviously, you're 20 years old, you're an adult, you can make your own decisions. And so um, I was literally sick to my stomach for about a week, not knowing what to do about this. And it got to the point where I was like, well, you know, I mean... I, we don't have any other connections outside of this, so I might as well just do this. And even if it's shady, at least we have a chance to, to do something. And so, you know, we've kind of got this really big decision to make. And this was back before I even really, to be honest with you, understood really how to pray. I remember one day sitting out on my back porch, and I prayed to God about this. I simply said, um, God, should we do this? And this was probably the only time in my life where God, it wasn't like a, a voice outside of my head, but I verbally, clearly heard do not sign this contract. This is the only time this kind of thing has ever happened in my life. And at that moment, I knew I should not sign that contract. And it was tough. I mean, it was, you know, it was a lot of stuff we were, you know, turning down in that moment. And I don't know what would have happened. I don't know if, if we would have done something with it. But all I do know is that where I'm at right now with that contract and that career aside, I'm really happy where I'm at. And I love my life. And I, I love what the, what the Lord's leading me and. I have a great family, and I have, I have great friends, and I, you know, I, I thoroughly enjoy everything. I, I believe God protected me there. I believe he clearly spoke to me to keep me safe. He's my father. He, he loves me. And so sometimes God turns down good things in order to bring you the best thing, and that's why we pray, your kingdom come. And so we pray big, and we trust that God knows what's best but then this next part of the prayer is probably the part of the prayer that everybody in here is the most familiar with. It says, give us each our daily bread. Um, the way I've kind of learned to pray is I begin out, I begin by worshiping God. I tell him how great I think he is. I, uh, I thank God. I thank him for all I have and my salvation, my family. I confess my sins. I confess my struggles. And then, and only then, do I come and begin asking for my daily bread, my, my needs and my wants and my desires and my provisions? But I think a lot of times the way our prayers sound are, dear God, give us each our daily bread, give us each our daily bread, give us each our daily bread, and, and then maybe some daily bread. That, that's how I, I first started praying. And I think that's how we're oftentimes inclined to pray. But that's not what Jesus is saying here. And I oftentimes hear people saying, I don't believe that, that prayer works. And, and you say, well, why don't you believe that prayer works? They're like, well, I asked for something and I didn't get it. I prayed, I honestly prayed, and, and, I, and I didn't get it. But by that definition, when they say that, they basically think that prayer is simply just asking God for things 
and God gives them, gives them things. The problem is that in that instance, it's not that prayer doesn't work. It's that they don't understand how prayer works. They don't understand what Jesus is telling us right here to pray. They, they don't understand, and we often don't understand, that prayer is not just about give us our daily bread. The daily bread, the asking for needs here, is about one-sixth of this prayer. And I'm not saying that it has to be exactly one-sixth of your prayer. It can be more. We're not going to be legalistic here. But the point is this, that that is one part of prayer. Asking for needs is not prayer. And with Christmas looming, and with that fact, um, I'm going to ask you this this morning. Do you view God as a father or as Santa, okay? Do you view God as father or or a Santa. You see, a father is somebody who you have a relationship with, but with Santa, you really just want stuff. You kind of get to the point, and you get out the Christmas list, like, this is what I want. With the father, you trust him and adore him. You spend time with him. You want to get to know him, but with Santa, you basically just use him to get stuff. I've never heard anybody say, hey, I want a relationship with Santa. You know, I want to get to know Santa. I want to sit down with him. I want to hang out. And when you're a kid, you know, you really don't like Santa. You just like that Santa brings you stuff, okay? And, and you don't want to really sit down on the couch with the cookies and the milk and talk to him. You really just want stuff. And, and, and I have been so guilty in my life of coming before God and just kind of wanting things. But prayer is more than just wanting things. But that being said, God does want us to come to him with our needs because fathers truly love providing for their children and God will meet our needs. And I think praying for, for daily needs is, is important because I think it keeps us coming to God. When we pray for our daily bread, when we realize that, hey, I need shelter every single day, I need food, I need water every day, that's a great opportunity for us to always be coming back to God because we're always in need. The next thing is this. And forgive us our sins, for we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us. I think this is oftentimes the most forgotten aspect of prayer. Confession really puts things into perspective. The reason why I like to confess my sins before I ask for things is because when I begin saying, God, forgive me for this and for this and forgive me for being selfish and forgive me for this, by the time I get to the point where I'm asking God for stuff, I kind of feel kind of guilty for asking him. I'm like, I've done all these horrible things, and I, I, have, I have fallen short in so many areas, and now I'm about to ask you to give me stuff. You know, a lot of times when you want something from your dad, you, you kind of want to make sure you, you've been looking good recently before you ask. You know, I always did that, you know. You never, like, got an argument and then asked for something. You were very strategic about it. I think kids are very strategic, you know. You'd, like, make sure, like, oh, I just happened to have just wash the kitchen, you know. And they always knew, okay, what do you want? You know, we, we kind of try to kind of preface everything. But w with God, it, when we begin to confess all the things we've done, I think it really puts it in perspective when we begin asking for things. Because then we're like, okay, look, I know I don't deserve any of this stuff, but God, I'm coming to you. And so then when he answers our prayers, we feel grateful. Wow, you answered that? I, di I didn't deserve that. I just told you all the things I did, and now you're going you're gonna to grant me something? You're going to give me my daily bread? And so confession is a vital part of, of our prayer life. But the problem with forgiveness is that forgiveness is a two-way street right here. He's saying, look, God's going to forgive you, but you're going to forgive other people. And this is the hard part, let's be honest. It's easy to ask for forgiveness. It's really hard to forgive somebody. This is about being made in the image of Jesus. 
Jesus forgave us on the cross. And as we become to try to become more like Jesus, we have to slowly begin to forgive people of different things, even when they were clearly in the wrong. I uh, oversee an after-school program at Garden Oaks Elementary on the northwest side of Houston. And uh, I don't get to spend a whole, whole lot of time with the kids, but when I do, there's this one little girl, and she is my absolute favorite. She's three years old, so she's about like this tall, and her name is Maisie, cute little girl. I would have brought a picture, but that would have been kind of creepy for her family, so I didn't do that. Um, her name is Maisie. She's the cutest, sweetest little girl, but she's got an attitude, and she, which reminds me of my sister, because my sister had a really big attitude when she was a kid. Um, she's got a really, really bad attitude sometimes. She'll either be the sweetest thing or, or, or the meanest thing. And so one day we're sitting there, and, uh, and one of the counselors is giving the kids their snack, right? And all the kids are thankful for it and eating their snack because it's free. They're thankful and grateful for it. But Maisie has decided that she doesn't want this snack. And she's throwing this temper tantrum. And so they're like, look, you've got to come deal with this girl because I don't know what to do. She's, she's freaking out. And so I walk over there, and she is just being like a She's like throwing, like she's like taking the snack, she's throwing it at people and being really, really bad. And she's like, I don't want this snack. And she's like, she's just like screaming. And I, I, I kind of got really frustrated with her because like, you're really getting on my, you're really being a brat here, you know? And she gets so upset, she starts crying. And now she's bawling. And now it's like, now she's making a scene. It's embarrassing. We got kids, parents coming in. So she's making me look like I'm bad at my job and because she's throwing a fit. And so I'm really frustrated. But it got to the point where she was so absolutely frustrated, she was so distraught, she was in so much stress that she just, in her tears, came to me and reached her hands out to me, and she just hugged me. And it was, it was one of the sweetest things ever. And it was weird because she had been such a, a brat, and she was so rude. But when she came to me, it's like I didn't really, I didn't care anymore. And in that moment, I didn't care that she had you know, made me look like I was bad at my job. I just really wanted to, to help her. She had, she had reached out to me because she needed me. And, and that's how God is with us. And when we begin asking God to forgive us, the problem is, is we come to God saying, look, forgive me of this sin. When God could easily say, look, if you had just done it the way that I told you to do it, you wouldn't be here. The problem with sin is, is God has clearly told us what we shouldn't do, but we went and did it anyway, and now we're coming to God needing forgiveness. God's like, look, if you just done it my way, this wouldn't even be an issue. But when we come to God, like, like, like little Maisie came to me, and when we throw our hands out for God and say, God, I'm sorry, God always forgives us. God finds enjoyment in forgiving you. It's not a burden to God. God, God enjoys it because you're coming to him. And in that moment, God's not so much concerned about, you know, what you did and how you, maybe you didn't listen. He just loves you because God cares more about us than he cares about our choices. God can't help but forgive those who repent. And that's why we as Christians say that we repent and believe. And the cool thing about repentance is it's there for everybody. Everybody can be forgiven. And God loves to forgive us. And the last part of this prayer is it says, and lead us not into temptation. In James 1, um, the author of James makes it clear that God does not tempt us, but that temptation is a result actually um, of our sinful desires when they begin flaring up in us. And it's funny, we often claim that we're good people and we blame our sin, the bad things we do on temptation or, or the world. But the reality is, is that if we were really, truly good people, temptation wouldn't tempt us. 
You see, temptation simply points out a weakness. Temptation doesn't create something in you. And if you don't struggle with something, if you're a good person, the temptation won't get you. But the problem is, it does. And it reveals the areas in our lives where we are weak and where we need, where we need help and where we need, specifically need Jesus. This is a cry for God's power and for God's strength. And so this is the part of the prayer where we just talked about confession. This is the part of moving on past our sin. It's like, I've confessed this sin. I have laid it down before you. And so lead me not to temptation. So, okay, I'm giving this up and now help me as I go forth. This is the progress. This is like I'm literally walking out of this specific sin and I'm walking to you. Lead me not into temptation. Help me as I try and, and be better in this attempt. And, and this, is a, this is something that everybody needs to pray because every single person struggles with temptation. This is a short prayer, but every single line in this prayer, all six lines here, they're all important for every person. We all need daily bread. We all need to confess. We all need to be let out of temptation. We all want God's kingdom to come. And so we pray against temptation because we are moving on from our sin. And the last thing I'll say is this, like we said earlier, that prayer, like anything else, is learned over time. The whole point of, of, of this this morning, and I think the whole point of this isn't to tell us to pray because we know we should pray. The point of this is Jesus is telling us how to pray. We follow this prayer, and we believe that this prayer will work. I had um, another really interesting, um, I don't know, prayer miracle is what you call it, um, about a week ago. Like I said, these do not happen often, but um, they do happen from time to time. Uh, I was sitting in a Starbucks, true story, um, with a good friend of mine named James Andell. He's a mission partner here. And uh, we meet um, every Monday for about an hour and just kind of talk and then we'll pray a little bit together and just talk about stuff. And so uh, we generally like to end our times together by praying. And one thing we had talked about kind of during that, uh, that group time was, you know, me and you, we really like meeting together. How do we expand this group? How do we, how do we get other people as interested in, in meeting together in community on a regular basis and not always like bailing and backing out on small groups and things like that. How do we make this happen? And so that was kind of a topic of conversation. And so when we prayed, we're like, hey, well, let's, let's pray about it. Let's just pray to God. Like, like God, like, you know, add to this number. Help us to find a way to, to kind of make this thing grow, this group that we have grow. And so as we're praying, James is the one praying at this moment. He literally, we're sitting there, you know, heads bowed at Starbucks, the noble public place. And, and James says, and God add to our number. And in that moment, God is my witness. Strike me down if I'm lying about this. Four people came up around us and they put their hands on us and started praying with us. At this point, we're just freaking out because this is really, really weird. Okay, this is like, wow, this is really working, you know? And so this is, this is uh, if it was always this easy, you know, it'd be great. Um, but basically what it was, was it was four of our friends that just so happened to be walking by Starbucks. They think they were actually going to buy a video game that was coming out that night. Um, one of those, I'm not a video game guy. But they're like, yeah, we were just walking down the street, and we saw you guys in here praying. And so we thought we'd just come in and come pray with y'all. And they came at the exact moment and literally laid hands on our shoulders as we said, add to this number. And I'm not going to lie, prayer doesn't always work that way with me, but there are moments in my life where things like that 
have happened. And a lot of times we don't experience those types of things because we don't pray. Because we don't pray. Because we don't know how to pray. But we come here this morning and Jesus will teach us how to pray. We have to learn how to pray and we learn to pray by coming to Jesus. We read different prayers in the Bible. We can memorize this specific prayer. Come on, it's two verses. You can memorize this. It's really easy. A lot of you already know it anyway. You, you pray with other people, and then you just pray, and you do it consistently. And, and, and you learn it, and you grow. And that's when things happen. That's when God shows up in those, those quiet one-on-one times where it's just you and God. There's, there's, there's no friends or, or, or kids or, or distractions. It's just you and God, even if it's for five minutes can do a lot for you. And Jesus told us to pray. And when Jesus says to pray, we know that it's important 